Hey guys, it's your girl Maya K, and we are back with another episode of the Maya K Show. We are on episode number six for this season, and we are going to be discussing themes from Storms of Love. That's right, we're going to discuss a couple of themes from my upcoming release, my upcoming Christian romance novel, Storms of Love. But first, I have to give a major shout out to Black Reader Khan. I attended Black Reader Con this past weekend, uh, October 30th and 31st, virtually. And it was amazing. It was the first one. Um, shout out to Black Men. I think it's Black Men Read. I'm sorry. I had respectfully, I hadn't heard of it until this. And then Mocha Girls Read. Uh, Mocha Girls Read celebrated their 10th anniversary, their book club. And um, Black Men Read, they came together to do Black Reader Con. They were the organizers. And I have to say, it was really, really dope. The sessions were amazing. It was two days worth of great content. I think I attended all but two sessions. I started Saturday around 12 p.m. and then ended a Sunday around like 4 p.m. And I was truly blessed as a novelist, as a writer, as someone who has been writing professionally for the last 12, 13 years, as someone who literally admired so many great writers when I was growing up, so many great black authors, just to be specific, when I was growing up. Um, some of my favorites growing up, of course, was Maya Angelou, who I was named after. Um, and then there were so many others. It was a pleasure. One person in particular, this wasn't when I was growing up, but when I worked at the free library while I was in grad school, which was over 10 years ago, Sharon, uh, Sharon Flake was there. And she talked about her book, The Skin I'm In. And I read that as an adult because I was in uh, grad school, but it, it blessed me so much uh, to even read a book in my adult life that reflected how I felt as a, a little girl growing up in North Philly who was darker skinned than a lot of my friends and often had to hear about it from the boys uh, in the neighborhood. So it was just really fruitful. And of course, the legendary Beverly Jenkins, who I had never read because I'm not a fan of historical fiction. However, of course, I was familiar with her and her presence, but just had no idea that her process, it was so fun so much fun to hear that we have very similar writing processes and editing processes. Um, and then I met some authors, well, you know, virtually got to hear authors who I'd never heard of. Um, one thing about me, I'm never afraid to say that. Nobody's taking my black card. I don't care who you are. Um, because I think that's the beauty of diversity. I don't read fantasy and I don't read anything that kind of is... So how can I say it? Yeah, like anything fantasy driven or anything where it's like, you know, kids going off to a whole nother world. Like, that's not my thing. I've never picked up Harry Potter, never will specifically because I don't, you know, I'm a Christian woman. I don't do that as far as my spirit goes. But I just say that to say it was so great to to hear new authors. I had never heard, heard of Brendan uh, Dealey. I hope I said his last name correctly. Um, and then it caused me to go and buy a couple of books, you know, some of the new debut authors people who just released their books within the last year I just finished it took me two days 
Um, I literally just finished I'm Not Dying With You Tonight, Kimberly Jones and Gilly Siegel. Now, of course, I had heard of Kimberly Jones. We all loved her amazing speech uh, back in 2020 when all the civil uprising was taking place. And I knew she had a book coming out. I had a pleasure, the pleasure of reading it. So it just really, it was so fruitful. Uh, for $40 for two days, it was well worth the investment. And just seeing so many black podcasts, you know, podcasters out there who support black books, who talk about their favorite black books. Um, so just shout out to everybody who took part in that and shout out to the organizers. Um, I definitely will be attending uh, next year. I think they said 2022. They're going to do it again. And prayerfully, I will be one of the authors. Okay, everybody, let's woohoo, let's speak that thing into existence. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to start there. And then I'm going to do something a little different today. I do want to discuss what I'm reading now. I mean, this is books. We are talking about the writing life. We're talking about books. We're talking about Storms of Love, my upcoming book. But what I am reading now. So I just told you I just got finished reading I'm Not Dying With You Tonight. And what I love, though, uh, first of all, if you don't have the Hoopla app, you need to get the Hoopla app. Hoopla, listen, I'm not, I ain't getting paid to advertise. So if I'm telling you about something that's really beneficial to you, Hoopla has a lot of, it's a, it's a free library app. So as long as you have a library card, you put your card in, you can borrow books. And I was able to find many of the books that they did talk about uh, at Black Reader Con. But I'm not dying with you tonight. I just finished. And that was on, that was ebook. And I also did download Kimberly Jones and Gilly Seeley's uh, next book well their second book let me say that their second book I also am going to read called why we fly but I ordered two books as well and so I'm looking forward to starting Kimberly's uh, not the same Kimberly let me say her uh, last name I think it's Kimberly Johnson's uh, this is my America I'm really looking forward to that I got that and then I also ordered all American boys by Brendan Dealey and Jason Reynolds yeah, so YA has actually been one of my favorite genres for years. I wrote several YA novels as well. You can go on Amazon and look up Maya K. You'll see Battling Berlin and Chasing Cashmere. Um, and so that I've definitely enjoyed the Sunday was Youth Day. So it was all about young adult literature. And I, did, I definitely enjoyed that a lot. And so what I'll be reading, what I'll be starting um, today, the recording of this podcast, the, the podcast is being released on Friday, November 5th. But recording it a couple days before I will be reading this is my America and I'm really looking forward to starting that um and support your black authors if there's one thing I could say um obviously as a woman of God I believe in you know every culture we're all connected by the blood of Jesus uh but I am also very big on making sure that my culture is elevated and I'm rooting for everybody black I absolutely am um unless you just full you know we ain't rooting for no foolishness, but <laughs> um, just in the context of literature, I really am supporting and I appreciate, you know, black television as a screenwriter myself. Um, I'm appreciating just so many different ways. All of the melanin I am seeing on television these days is amazing. It's beautiful. All right. So let's get into it because I actually have a surprise for you guys. I am going to no commercial breaks today. Isn't that great? Uh, but also, I am actually going to read two excerpts from my upcoming release, Storms of Love. They're very small, but they nonetheless will add to the points in everything that I'm discussing today. So let's jump into it. 
three themes from Storms of Love that I wanted to touch on. Uh, the first theme is love. Of course, <laughs> it wouldn't be romance without it. The second one is healing. And the third one is restoration. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about each theme. I'm going to give three points uh, or three ideas or just three thoughts that I had for each theme and then kind of expound them on them a little bit based on the book. So today we're literally talking about the book. Don't forget, you can read the synopsis at writermaya.com. Um, when you click on blog, you will be able to read the synopsis for Storms of Love. Also, do not forget that you can also, oh, I'm sorry, you can also um, sign up for my email list. I apologize. I got a little tongue tied there actually looking at my notes for today. Um, but you can sign up for the email list and you would receive, if you sign up for my email list, a free novella called Butterfly Faith that I wrote back in 2013, wrote and published. It's a very beautiful story. And yeah, you can get that for free. So you get a taste of my reading before you actually have to buy. All right, so when I think about uh, the first theme, love, there were a few things that jumped out at me. And what I will say, what triggered this one thought that I have is one of the discussions that did take place at Black ReaderCon, and that was with the amazing Beverly Jenkins, amazing, amazing historical fiction author, Black historical fiction author of over 50 novels. Amazing. And when I tell you, even if you don't like historical fiction, like I said, I don't read it, but sitting under her, hearing the wisdom was beautiful. Uh, but that panel, it, she was a keynote. She was actually the keynote speaker, Dr. Diane Stewart, who I had just heard of, just met. And she also wrote a book, a nonfiction book as well, um, on love. But this, the conversation they had triggered one of these thoughts for me. Um, and we'll jump into that and I'll let you know which one it was. But the first thing I would say when I think about love throughout this book, I love how Ellie wasn't looking for love, but she was ready for it. And as a woman who myself am waiting on God, you know, to connect me to my kingdom mate, I love how over the last three years, I haven't been looking for love, but I, ha I know that I'm ready for it. And I would even say more so over the last two years. Um, no, I'm sorry. We're at the end of 2021. So I was right. Last three years. Okay. Listen, time is flying. <laughs> um, yeah. So almost three years that I haven't been looking for it. But I would say over the last year and a half, two years, I know that I'm ready for it. And... Ellie's character, one of the reasons why I developed Ellie the way that I did was one, she has uh, several uh, personality traits that are similar to mine and a lot of her story is a little bit similar to mine as well. And I did that on purpose because I knew that in order for me to accomplish the goal of what God set out for me to do with Christian romance this time around, which was writing from a Hill perspective, because the woman I am now versus the woman I was, you know, maybe, what was it, seven years ago when I started writing Christian Romance, is different. I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm more grounded in my faith, and I can see from a different lens. And so in order for me to fulfill the assignment of writing from this healed lens so that other women of God could be healed through the words that I put out there, um, on paper and to see that God can redeem and restore regardless of your story in order for me to do that at least with this book I definitely had to implement pieces of myself 
And so Ellie wasn't looking for love. She wasn't looking at all. And I'm actually going to, when I get to the second point, read the excerpt. But you'll see from this excerpt, I'm going to read how she had literally been single for two years. And it was what she had to understand, though, was that love will come to you when you're ready. But you also have to be willing to receive it. So the second point is Ellie didn't allow her environment to dictate how love would meet her. Uh, Y'all know I'm about to go in, right? So Ellie, like myself, was born and raised in Philadelphia. And many people who were born and raised in the inner city and urban environments, we did grow up in fatherless homes. And with Ellie, her story is different because she's raised by her grandparents. But nonetheless, her father is absent and he's alive and well. And her mother, you know, is deceased, which, you know, at the beginning of the book. And so if Ellie wanted to, she could have allowed the environment that she grew up in to dictate how love would meet her. She could have said, my grandparents were great and loving, but I did see a lot of toxicity in my home. You know, her grandmother carried a lot of bitterness and resentment around, which many, if we're honest, many of our grandparents did because they may have had 60 years of marriage, but it doesn't mean those 60 years of marriage were fruitful and blessed specifically if you had grandparents who may have married out of obligation maybe a baby you know maybe a pregnancy and you know back then with the black church you definitely was not walking around pregnant <laughs> and not getting married right and so with Ellie without giving away too much of the story her grandmother was definitely caring and loving but she was rough she was tough she was hard and she ruled with the ironclad fist which for Ellie was like I mean yeah I, I I thank God every day that I didn't have to go into the foster care system but my home still had several remnants of toxicity and dysfunction in it regardless of the fact that I was raised by my grandparents. So if Ellie wanted to, she could have allowed that to dictate how love would meet her. Meaning when love meets me, I'm going to be disgruntled. When love meets me, I'm going to be bitter. When love meets me, I'm going to be just mean and nasty and carrying on this, this generational curse of unforgiveness. But Ellie, from her last relationship, uh, after her last relationship, she decided that I'm going to heal. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to get myself together, which leads me to the third point with the theme of love. Ellie let God transform her heart. And that's something we cannot do on our own. Sometimes I think people feel like, let me just journal how I feel. Let me sign up you know, for therapy and healing, which you should do. All of it is part of it. But the ultimate piece is letting God transform your heart. And Ellie allowed God to get deep down inside of her heart, to prick it, to do surgery, and to make sure that when love would meet her, she would be able to receive it. And a lot of times what you see today in society, when you do see dysfunctional and toxic love, um, whether it's you reading the latest blog stories or Instagram and you're laughing at celebrities or not laughing, but you're gossiping with your girlfriends about all these celebrities that are getting divorced. But if we're honest, the only difference is their life is just in the limelight. If we put 
the light on us and the mirror on us, we would be able to see that I'm not saying, you know, all of us are divorced or nothing like that. Some of us have never even been married. But if we're honest, some of their problems that you may read about or hear about is stuff that we might be dealing with in our own lives or stuff that we know people we love are going through. And all a celebrity really is, is someone who is a person living out their destiny under public scrutiny. And Every element of their life will just be out there, including the things they want to keep private. So their marriages and everything like that. So sometimes I think that we can sit there and point the finger and say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so shouldn't have married so-and-so. They knew that they weren't even good for each other. But if we're honest, some of us as women in our past, we have literally allowed love to meet us at our most heartbroken state where we knew that if we connected with this person, we would end up cutting them just as much as they cut us. But Ellie chose how love would meet her. She said, if I'm going to have love show up again, one, I'm going to wait on God. And two, I'm going to make sure that I'm not bitter, that I'm not carrying around my daddy issues into this relationship, that I'm not carrying around the bitterness. And here's the, here's the thing. Ellie didn't have a blueprint for that. You know, again, yes, her grandparents were married. Great. Uh, and don't get me wrong. She saw the good parts of it. But a lot of it at best, which I don't touch on in the book. I don't touch on in the book on purpose. Uh, I believe this is I just believe in my heart this is going to be a series. And so I didn't touch on too much of Tallulah and um, Lance's marriage, Grandma T and Grandpa Lance. I didn't touch on it too much, but I gave hints. So that people would be able to be like, oh, if she developed this into a story, it would be dope. Uh, but Ellie just, you know, going back to the point, let God transform her heart because she knew if she would have let love show up and meet her where she was in her last relationship, like right after it ended or even a year after it ended, she might not would have really allowed love to embrace her. All right. So the second the second theme, one of the other major themes in the book, I, it's not even so much that these are in order. It's just major things is healing, healing. And this is where I'm actually going to jump into the excerpt. But the first point is you can only attract on the level of your healing. You can only attract on the level of your healing. I think that's important to recognize because. One of my recent, well, it's not even recent. This has been a pet peeve for me for years is hearing a lot of women, regardless of their religious beliefs, just seeing it on social media and just hearing a lot of women being so anxious to be connected to a man and to be married. And it's nothing wrong with it. I have the same desire, but it, it can't be idolized, right? So then I've seen like this trend of people, you know, working on themselves, getting healed and, and it's okay to, to, to also get, you know, do what you got to do for this reason as well. But I'm just finding a lot of uh, women are basing a lot of their, the steps they're taking for healing, the steps that they're taking to get themselves together, to get their credit together, to get their finances in order, all based on, I want to be met ready for marriage. And uh, again, if it's your goal, I, I, I get it. <laughs> but I just want you to understand that even in that you can only attract on the level of your healing, right? So 
If you're doing all of these things, and we talked about this in a previous episode, and letting God tell you how to get ready, because some of the things you may be doing to get ready is not necessarily what he would have you do to get ready. And so when you are working on your healing, you can only attract on the level of your healing. And I think about the time that um, one of my friends, Yes, I had to think about when I was living. So it was when I first lived in Atlanta seven years ago. And I will never forget, uh, we were having this conversation in her living room. And it blessed me. And she was just talking about how she would end up, um, if she had gotten married then, she would have ended up with someone that possibly was on her level. And she was talking about it from a more practical, natural standpoint, like where she was financially, like sometimes you can end up attracting where you are. So she was like, I want to keep working on myself. But it also made me kind of think a little bit deeper today when I go, went back to that conversation, like, wow, it, it, it's just as important to make sure that you are taking steps towards healing so that you can attract on the level of your healing. So this is why you'll often see two toxic people together and when we were growing up if you grew up at the it doesn't even matter if you didn't grow up in the hood if you grew up in a black household you saw some arguments at that dinner table during thanksgiving and christmas that you would be literally ashamed of you out here judging real housewives and baby your family could put them to shame right and so but but it was considered in a way normal. We we actually started to expect that. We was like, oh, this is just how it is. That's that's when you know you now you that's when you know that you yourself, if you looked around and seen that there was a level of dysfunction in you as well. And this is why sometimes women and men attract toxic individuals. And then you say, Well, yeah, you know, how could I have attracted that? I'm a great person, but maybe there's still something in you that's broken. Or that's fragmented, dysfunctional, and whatever else that you are pulling and attracting that. So make sure when you are doing all these things, writing out this list of things that you want to make sure that you are for your spouse or your mate, that you are getting healed. Getting the healing that you need. Not the ones that are advertised on Instagram. Not what people are telling you you need healed. You got to really sit down and pray and ask God, what should you be focusing on? Because sometimes... That thing he has you focus on will bring it could it could literally lead to breakthrough in multiple areas, but you can only attract on the level of your healing. With that, don't push away who God sends to help you heal. Do not push away who God sends to help you heal. In his own way, Jeremiah added layers to Ellie's healing. I think I said this in a previous episode. You do. Uh, receive another level of healing marriage and love brings another level of healing I'm a firm believer in that and it's also been I've heard testimonies of it hundreds and I know this to be so even though I'm not married yet so I just want to read this this is in chapter it's actually closer I think to the end of chapter five and this is at the point where Jeremiah and Ellie have dated for a little bit and so this is him. And I'll just start. Why did your last relationship end? He asked quietly. You mentioned on the phone that it had been two years since your last relationship and you went through a lot of healing to become who you are now. What happened? Ellie sat quietly for what seemed like minutes. She hadn't expected him to go there, but all of their conversations had been deep from day one, even in Los Angeles. 
She couldn't deny that magnetic pull she felt whenever he was around and the times they prayed together on the phone. She couldn't deny the level of comfort she felt. While she couldn't understand why she felt this way, she certainly was leaning into it. Now, the reason why I chose that portion to even kind of um, substantiate this point is because think about that, what she said. Like, I'm not sure why I feel this way or why I feel so like I can trust this guy, but I'm going to lean into it. And had Ellie let love, well, let me put it another way. Had Eddie allowed Ellie, ugh, sorry, y'all. A little tongue-tied today. Had Ellie, not Eddie, had Ellie allowed her uh, for her environment to dictate how love would meet her or Ellie was not healed, she would not have been able to recognize that while she didn't understand what was going on with her and Jeremiah in the beginning, she knew she could trust it and lean into it. Had she still been maybe a little closed off and bitter or maybe still dealing with so many different elements of her past rejections, she might would have perceived this as a threat to her versus a help. So don't push away who God sends to help you heal because the person that God sends, it could really be the next level of your healing. And then lastly, uh, with healing, not all healing takes place on the couch. I just wanted to throw that out there. I love therapy. Um, like I told you before, I just signed back up. But let me tell you what happened the very first time I was in therapy in 2020. Uh, let me tell you, it was what happened at night. And what happened throughout the day when my sessions were not taking place that produced the greatest level of healing. A therapist generally is the portal. They open a portal. And once you take that step and you have your first session, second session, however many, that portal is open. And that's where the healing takes place. Because you have to remember, most sessions are 45 minutes to an hour. If you really think your healing is taking place in the, the sessions, mm, I don't know. I think your healing start in the sessions. And I think that you definitely can talk through some of your healing in the sessions. But if we're honest, I mean, look at it. We're already at Thanksgiving, right? An hour goes fast. If this year went by fast, what do you think happens in an hour? So the bulk of your healing is not going to take place in that therapist's office, whether it's virtual or in person. It's going to take place when you're done and it's those hours after the, after the session, late at night. Let me tell you guys, I cried several nights a week when I was in therapy. And it had it, some of it, it wasn't even about the things we talked about in the sessions. I was literally, I started a journal and I was going in. I felt like I was writing a book. And it all, this was all off of two sessions. It was just this overflow of healing that was taking place. And then God led me to Joyce Meyer's Healing the Soul of a Woman. And I read that and that produced another layer of healing. I didn't read that with my therapist or in my sessions. So... I want to encourage people who might feel like they're in therapy right now and you're like wondering, wait, I, my therapist is great. They're really helping me. I'm getting the help I need. But why do I still feel like I'm finding my footing? Or maybe it's like, OK, I've had like three months and I kind of feel like I'm OK from here. Maybe I can do try it on my own for a little bit. Look, don't judge yourself because of that. 
There, it's a lot of things that you have to be in therapy for two years, three years to get your healing. Specifically when you are a believer. Christ is the ultimate healer. So sometimes he'll send us there to get the start, to get started and nudged in the right direction to get whatever mental help we need, medication if need be, whatever it is. But remember, most of your healing will not take place on the couch. It is when you get home, when you're with those thoughts on your own, when it's just you, God, and those thoughts, when it's just you, God, and you know that past scar, and you got to wrestle with it. All right, lastly, the third theme is restoration. And I am going to read one more excerpt. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here because I don't want to give the book away. I mean, how else would you know how did God restore Ellie and Jeremiah uh, if I gave it all away? But it is one of the biggest themes in the book as well. You know, it's throughout the entire book, the whole journey of how he um, just showed up. And even when you're reading it and you go back and reflect on Ellie and how she talks about, man, God... I can't believe you did this. And what I do is, you know, I give a lot of backstory only when it's relevant to like the current points. So Ellie, with Ellie, God restored love. He restored her family and he restored opportunity. With Jeremiah, it was love. He restored his heart and his favor. Remember, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And your wife, for men out there, your wife will lead you to another level of favor in God that you did not have access to before. So with Ellie, that was the first point. Love, family, and opportunity was restored. Jeremiah, it was love, uh, his heart, and favor. And the thing with Jeremiah is he definitely struggled a little bit. Um, as a man who was ready to give love, he also had to be able to receive it. And sometimes with men out there, I'll just give a little glimpse into Jeremiah's world. I want to be careful how I say this to our kings out there because I want you to be able to receive it. I hope it lands on your heart very, very safely. As kings and as sons of God, you have to remember something. If you want a wife, or if God has told you you are going to be married, he's sending you a wife, that means it's a desire he gave you and he gives us the desires of our heart. So he tells you what you should be desiring. For those men out there who have been praying and waiting and believing, just like some of us sisters, if you are still waiting... I would ask you to really humbly go to God and ask him, are you ready to receive the love that you're praying for? Now, I'm not going to reiterate the same thing I did on the, uh, the episode. Episode four talked about ready or not, you know, for love. What I mean by that for my fellas, though, is sometimes you are ready to give a lot of love. You're ready to spoil the right woman with love, attention, flowers, cards, whining and dining. You can't wait to, you know, just lace her neck and her wrist in the, the finest diamonds from Tiffany's. You can't wait to take her away on vacations and to spend time with her and to nurture her heart and to give her everything she never had. You cannot wait to be the hero. But are you ready to receive love? Because it would be really juvenile and immature for you to think that 
anything God sends you that's from him when it's his best is not going to be a reciprocal thing. So if he puts you in a business deal with a great business partner, it's because not of just what you're going to give, but what they're going to give and what you both are going to give each other. And so some men out there, you have been preparing on the one side, which was what Jeremiah was kind of doing. He was like, I'm ready for love. And he knew that his ex, because he talks about his ex a little bit in the book, they both talk about their exes, um, what they learned from their previous relationships. And he talked about how she was controlling. And so that's good. He knew what he didn't want. He knew he didn't want a woman who was keeping tabs on him, who was controlling, who was insecure. So one of the reasons why he fell in love with Ellie is because she was so confident and secure who she was. But again, there's a scene where Ellie tries to support and help him and he has to really check his ego because <laughs> it's like, why do you have to have the burden of the world on your shoulders and think that we can't share some of that burden? Okay, so that's kind of what I, I just hope that fellas are, are thinking about that. You have to be able to receive as well because your partner, your the wife-to-be that's coming, your soulmate does not want to feel like she is just a, she doesn't want to feel like she's just a soldier in your army. She wants to feel like she's one of the generals too. And that that's called partnership. Um, if she feels like she's a soldier or she's just like this, you know, she wants to be the king and queen on the chessboard with you. She wants to be the queen. You're the king. She doesn't want to be one of the pawns. And don't get it twisted. The pawn's position is very vital on the chessboard. Child, I don't even play chess. I don't even know where this is coming from, but praise God. Um, but the queen protects the king greatly. We know that. And so I just want my fellas to consider that. All right. And we'll, we'll move on. I just want you guys to consider that what you're willing to give, are you willing to receive? Don't go into it with your macho attitude that my grandfather took care of my grandmother and so you don't have to work. Baby, first of all, if you are a millennial like me and you waiting, you best believe you're going to get a woman that's probably very ambitious. Because women are making waves in business and tech and uh, in the legal field. They are making waves in the medical field. So listen, I'm not saying there's there's not women out there who just, you know, would rather work from home and take care of the children. But, bruh, nine times out of ten, you ain't getting no Susie Homemaker, okay? <laughs> okay. So, yes, restoration is such a huge part of it. But I want to read this excerpt, just a paragraph from Ellie's perspective of restoration and one of the things that she received. And it actually includes a Bible verse that I wrote out in the novel. And so this is um, on page 78. So I'm guessing this is probably around chapter eight or, or so. Um, today's verse, and this is Ellie, she's a recording a episode of her podcast. In fact, she's recording the first episode of her podcast Jeremiah is in this scene to support her and so she's talking today's verse is Psalm 68 and 6 I'm just going to read the beginning God places the lonely in families he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy I was raised by my maternal grandparents grandma T and grandpa Lance my father and I have an estranged relationship and my mother died when I was four even though my mother died from health issues and I didn't want her to suffer forever, that didn't change the loneliness I felt whenever I went to school and saw my friends with their mothers. 
at first, I didn't really feel the loss until I got to middle school. Growing up in North Philly, it wasn't unusual to see grandparents bringing their grandchildren to school. So I didn't feel out of place. But baby, when I got to middle school, it was different. I went to an all-girl Christian school from 7th to 12th grade, and everybody's family seemed to be picture perfect. I mean, where were the girls who were like me that didn't have their fathers or their mothers around? I don't wish bad on anyone, but when I say I felt out of place, girls ask me all the time why my mother looked so old. I thought it was, for me, um, in excerpt, so I'm done. I thought it was important to kind of throw that out there um, today on the podcast because once you read the story, the way God redeems Ellie and restores her, it's life-changing what God does in her life throughout this story. And so, yes, love, healing, and restoration. Those are the themes of Storms of Love, which we're looking at a February 2022 release. As long as God, you know, continues to drive this horse, I'm, you know, doing it his way. But in conclusion, Storms of Love is a story about what love looks like from a healed lens. Don't block your own love blessing by thinking you can't or won't have love because of what you didn't previously have access to. And I say that because I do think that so often what we don't have access to causes us to almost sabotage what God is now allowing us to have access to. You know, we may think that, oh my goodness, um, I didn't have access to this and I didn't have access to that. But when God does start to give you access, what will you do with it? I'm also a firm believer that you, when God blesses you and grants you access to certain levels of, let's just say you're someone who you may not have a lot in your bank account, but every time you look up, God has you surrounded by great wealthy people because he's giving you access. So don't allow what you didn't have access to in your past to to block the blessing that God is bringing into your life now, giving you access to it. If he puts you in front of it or puts it in front of you, however you want to look at it, please know that he knows that you have whatever it takes to love that child for the mother who is believing God to adopt. And you feel like I need a complete family, God. I, I wanted to get married first, but he is telling you that you have what it takes. And so if he gives access to if he gives you access to motherhood through adoption, but maybe not the way you, you, you want it, then trust that it's for a reason. Even if you may not have had your own mother growing up. And if, you know, for my fellas, if he's giving you access to a love or to even, I'll say, to mentor a young boy, but you didn't have your father, and so you're afraid you're going to make mistakes. Trust that the reason why God is giving you access to that level is because he can trust you. So we have to know that if God has given us access to these things, he can trust us with these things. Even if we didn't have what we think we needed as a blueprint to take us into these doors. So when it comes to love, as I close, just know that whatever you did not have access to in your previous environment or your childhood environment and whatever, God is doing a new thing. Some of us will be the first marriages in our family. Some of us will be the first of many things in our generation and in our bloodline. And we have to be okay with that. Maybe it was 
meant for you to create the blueprint because you're creating it God's way. You're creating it from God's lens and his perspective and you're doing it whole and healed, not broken and dysfunctional. Who wants a blueprint from something that's broken and dysfunctional? That's not to disrespect our bloodline and what our grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents and even our parents went through. No. We know that they did the best they could with what they had. We know they gave us everything that they could. But I believe because God is doing a new thing and some of us will be changing the trajectory of our bloodlines, then we have to accept the fact that not everything, if almost nothing, can be taken from what they laid down. We're laying a new foundation. God is laying a new foundation. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It blessed me, of course. It's always exciting to talk about, you know, books and what I'm reading and how it applies to life. Um, Even if you didn't buy Storms of Love when it comes out, I know you got so much from this episode uh, and all the previous ones as well. So don't forget to follow me on social media at Right Amaya. I'm on a hiatus right now um, and have been for some time. Uh, So you probably won't see any new posts, but I have plenty plenty of great content out there for you to peruse um but follow me nonetheless because there will be so much coming and you know especially once i start posting like the cover and i start posting about the book there will be a lot coming i'm looking forward to uh seeing you guys you know on my website sign up for the email list at writer maya writer maya on all platforms and i just look forward to tuning in with you guys next friday be blessed